to the Foundation Podcast. I'm Jared Hernandez, and joined with me, as always, is Ryan Williamson. And boy, do we have a jam-packed show for you guys today. Later on, we'll have our, on our very first guest, Jamil Lane. He stops by to discuss a little Browns football for the 2020 season and how he thinks his team will fare against the rest of the division. But first, let's jump into some questions. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. You doing all right? I'm good. It's been crazy this past week in the NFL. Um, yes. NFL came out with a with an apology letter, basically, to all the players that took a knee over the past four years, but they forgot the one person that they should have apologized to, but we'll dive into that later on. Mm-hmm. But you saw Goodell in his basement where he was for the draft. Do you think that his response and the NFL's response was enough to justify, you know, all the scrutiny over the past four years and kind of the blackballing that went on with some of these players? No. <laughs> I like how I I mean, I like what he said. He said some of the right things, but I think it's just only a step. It's not like a leap. Um, the one thing I, I could probably say to me be, from the messages, um, not the message that he used, but I think the player's message was really powerful. They, um, to me, it just hit harder, hit way harder than Goodell's. Goodell seemed like it was very thought out and planned, but at the same time, I still don't think that it was truthful, to be honest. Yeah, and that's what I noticed, too, when I watched the video of him apologizing. It was him reading it off the, off a prompter, basically. Yeah. Which, anytime you kind of have to do that, you're not giving your true honesty when you're reading an apology. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. fuck, well, I guess I got to do this right now. <laughs> yeah. Every other player, though, is coming off the wall with it, you know, off the cuff. They're speaking from their heart in that moment. Malcolm Jenkins had to do four different takes over his videos because he was like, I'm going to get so much shit for this, but he yeah. finally settled on one to breeze. Um, so a lot of those athletes are now saying that they'll kneel during the national anthem again. Do you think the NFL is going to be okay with this? Or do you think they're going to you know, blackball some of the players for kneeling like they did Kaepernick years ago? Or do you think that now that they're on – the same page kind of they're going to see it in a different light i kind of i hope they see it in a different light i mean hopefully they learn from four years ago like what they did the cap i really hope now they allow the players to actually be the players instead of you know when the whole cap stuff was happening and then the thing that they said they suggest that people could do if you weren't going to you know, stand for the anthem was what wait in the locker room. Like, how is that showing face, you know, and helping the players be, you know, protest together, you know, have a peaceful protest, you know, in a sense. But, you know, you were like either you're all on the field for the national anthem or you're not. So a lot of teams was like, all right, well, we're not. So <laughs> I kind of feel like I hope they let them do it and it's no like scrutiny or a fine or nothing. Let them do it. You know, they have a voice, they have a right. So I would say, let them do it. I totally forgot about them 
you know, having to stay in the locker room if you're going to yeah. kneel. It's just like, don't do this. We're going to force you to hide from the public so you can't be personally seen or, you know, publicly seen to kneel, yeah. which is the most bizarre thing in the world. Yeah. Um, so my question is, you know, I, I think the NFL is going to be fine with it. And numerous teams have come on record of saying they're going to be fine with players kneeling this year. They're getting behind their players now because yeah. let's be honest. It's because everybody is afraid of being that one team that doesn't, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're, they got caught now. So they have to take the bait per se mm. and be behind their team. But I mean, I think some of these teams are genuinely behind their players when yeah. it comes to this, but for the Cowboys, for instance, Sorry, Cowboys fans again, but <laughs> Jerry doesn't give a fuck about you know his players kneeling. He doesn't want this at all. No, he it's doesn't. A negative thing for the Cowboys and their fan base because yeah, let's be honest about their fan base. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know. So with all this happening and players being allowed to kneel without getting scrutinized, what do you think happens to Cap? Are we going to see a a return of number seven into the league, or do you think he's too far gone from you know his professional playing career, or if he even has a desire to play anymore because of all the stuff that's gone on with the NFL and him? So just let me hear your take, because I personally think he'll be back on a team now because, like I just said, teams mm-hmm. are they got caught, so they're gonna they're going to want to do it now because like, well, yeah, no, we should have signed cap a long time ago, but we didn't want to be the first one to do it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like that he should, he, he's always throughout the four years. He's always been very adamant that he wants to return to football. Like that's his passion. He has never been like, well, now I got something else to do, you know, <laughs> like, but that that hasn't been the case. Even the, you know, the quote unquote private workout that, you know, they held for him and everything, <laughs> you know, uh, I really think, I think somebody will, uh, I know I'm trying to remember what the teams were. It was a couple teams, a couple, I want to say last year or a year before that was very interested in, I want to say the Seahawks. The Seahawks and uh, shoot, I can't even remember. It was somebody else. They were very interested in Cap, but they didn't want to sign him because of the the quote unquote backlash that they probably would face. Um, so yeah, no, it wasn't backlash, Ryan. It was locker room drama. Let's, uh, get, it, let's <laughs> get it straight. Not okay. backlash. <laughs> it's because he's a cancer to the locker room. Yeah, too exactly. much, too many media members in the locker room. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are talking to him every day. What do you mean? You're, yeah, there's no circus going on with him. He's gonna get exactly. The, he's gonna get the five question that you know the reporters are burning to ask. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna kneel? Or what are you kneeling for? Yes. Once that passes over in three weeks, what else is there to talk about regarding the kneeling? nothing Nothing. about (laughs) except except what you're doing for that team as a bench player if he was on the seahawks yeah and how you and russ's relationship is would Mm -hmm. you be ready if russ went down all that jazz yeah i i I really i i wish that they just keep it just football 
Like, if you just keep it football, Ryan, are then, you saying stick to sports? Because sometimes, like, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about the reporters. If the reporters just stick it, keep it to football, then like this stuff won't. But also do let them be open to say what they want to say. Don't uh, systematically just fit them into these are the questions, you know, these are the questions you have to answer. This is the media time that you have to allow a lot every week, you know, and these are the same questions you're going to be constantly, you know, constantly be answered or asked um, every week for 17 weeks to the playoffs, you know, so on and so on. So it's going to be like, what, 20 weeks of you being asked the same question over and over again? But I don't think they're going to – I don't think they would ask the same question over and over. Yeah. I mean, you're saying like, you know, by week three they would be done. Yeah. What what else is there to ask regarding it? He's already answered it. Yeah. And and he has – and every player or coach has the right to say, I don't – you know, yeah. Next, next question. Bill Belichick does yeah. it every week. And everyone, lo- <laughs> yeah. everyone loves it when Bill does it. Yeah, but then if somebody else does it, yeah, it's frowned upon. <clears throat> All right. Enough of the <laughs> the negative football league. Um, <laughs> so Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings have had some contract talks throughout this offseason so far, but today he came out and said that he will no longer participate in team activities until they offer a reasonable contract. Do you think this is the effect of the CMC contract coming into play and, you know, him getting all that guaranteed money? So it's kind of that that next running back trying to secure his bag. He knows he's at a position to where he's got a short time frame. You know, he's not like a wide receiver or a quarterback, so he's trying to cash out when he can because he knows he's about to get ran into the ground from here on out mm-hmm. and then tossed aside. So do you, do you understand where Dalvin's coming from with this, you know, this contract tactic? Yeah. I, I, yes, I do. Um, the last running back that got paid by the Vikings was Adrian Peterson and he got $99 million. Ever since then, they've never had a running back. Uh, so, and they haven't paid a running back either. The I want to say the running back before him, I would want to say that they kind of paid was Robert Smith. How long ago was that? Yeah, <laughs> Almost tw- like, yeah. So it was like twenty years ago. So I kind of feel like yes. After he saw what CMC got, he was like, "All right, well, I'm not on this. I'm somewhat on the scale of CMC." So let me try to get what I can. And that's, I mean, I'm totally fine for him doing that because it comes a moment in time where you need to get paid. You can't just keep getting a rookie contract all your whole life. What is that? Uh, 750000 a million? What? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he deserves all the money in the world, but I'm – as a Packers fan, I'm totally fine with him sitting out, take the whole season. Right <laughs> out, Dalvin, you're good. Let let Madison take over. But, I mean, Matt, Madison's yeah. a good back too, so they yeah. that's where it gets a little tricky for the Vikings too, because they mm-hmm. they could look at it and be like, well, we have this you know this young running back entering his second year, who performed well when Dalvin went down, 
and mm-hmm. you know had his moments to shine last year. So that's where it's going to get a little tricky to be like, maybe we do just move on and not pay you this pers- uh, this this large amount, and we just keep yeah. the, keep the focus on this young running back until he wants to, you know, do the same thing if his career pans out the same. But Dalvin is easily a top five running back, and I would go ahead and yes. say top three. I would put CMC. Uh, it's a it's a toss up between Henry and Chubb, and the only reason I put it okay. that way is because of Henry's age. Yeah, and yeah, then, and then Dalvin third. Yeah. Okay, so I'm all for it though. Go get your money. That's what you yeah. got to do. All right, let's break down some uh, some AFC North. Why don't we? So, diving in, like we said, we're gonna start breaking down each division for the next eight weeks. This week, we're going to start with the AFC North. And to kick it off is the lovely Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Who doesn't love some Bengals talk, baby? I know. So, the Cincinnati Bengals, they come in to the season with plus 2,200 odds. You know, they were the number one seed oh, in the – or the number one <laughs> – not, not, not the number one seed, the number one pick in the NFL draft. Yes. Two and 14 on the, on the year. They did just land their new franchise quarterback, though, in yes. Joe Burrow. So, what do we think of the Brown or the the Bengals this year in twenty twenty? Got my Cincinnati teams mixed up there for a second. I, <laughs> I know. Um, I just hope. I really hope Zach Taylor can mold Joe Burrow into that quarterback that they've always needed. The last quarterback I want to say that they had was somewhat that was good. I'm not even going to say somewhat was Carson Palmer. Well, Dalton was decent his first three years. Yeah, he was, but then but he yes, started. I would say Palmer is the, the best one. Yeah. Since then. then. He, yeah. And then he started, you know, Andy Dalton started pulling the, the Jameis Winston and he was really close for 30 for 30 um his own 30 for 30 and (laughs) you know and that's why I kind of was like you know other than that yeah Carson Palmer would be that quarterback um I just really hope they can really groom him they have pieces around him that are young pieces they're not I mean the oldest person would be AJ Green but they still got young pieces around them and they're building that old line too, to protect them. So. Yeah. That's where I think it really comes down for the Bengals is that offensive line. Because like you said, they have so many weapons on offense, mm-hmm. you know, Mixon, AJ green, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins. The, the weapons are endless for Burrow. Yeah. It's kind of like what the Browns try to do for, or are trying to do for Baker. Yeah. So, but it's only going to go as far as that offensive line can take them. And mm-hmm. if Burrow can stay upright and, you know, provide some lanes for Mixon to get his ground game going too. But not all the problems were on that offensive side last year for the yeah. Bengals. It went in huge in a huge part with the defense. So, in 2019, the Bengals defense allowed 6.1 yards per play, the most in the NFL and finished 29th in the league in total defense. 
They did make it a key goal, though, to improve the defense this offseason, and they did just that by signing five projected defensive starters via free agency, mm-hmm. as well as use four of their overall seven draft picks at the linebacker and defensive end position. So if, if their defense can truly get clicking and play to how they want them to play and how they project them to play by bringing in all this talent from free agency in the draft, you're going to see that, you know, that number two in the win column jump to about maybe five, I would say. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit more if it, if the offense can hold its own against some shootout games where the defense doesn't show up, you know, like normal or how they, how they're mm-hmm. presumed to show up. So I want to hear your take on, you know, do you think the defense is going to be an improvement or do you think the offense – it, the team only goes as far as the offense, or does the team only go as far as the defense goes? Um, me, I'm more of a defensive player, like defensive-minded person as far as what, you know, what should be, what should come first. So hopefully the defense, you know, even though they're, whether they're 29th, uh, hopefully this, they could trend back up to like maybe 20. I mean, and that's, not far of a, I mean, it's a, kind of far of a jump or whatever, but hopefully they can go up and be a little bit better on defense because you don't want your offense to, um, I mean, yeah, have your offense not, not click. Hopefully the defense can stop somebody. Offense can build off of that momentum from the defense, and then they can actually score points. Hopefully they done picked, uh, drafted the right players to help um recent years they have but then you know they just haven't panned out so hopefully hopefully it'll work yeah i i see them you know they've got to improve it's hard to be at the bottom of the league two years in a row especially if you make all those key acquisitions on the defensive side of the ball so i Mm -hmm. I would agree that they're going to jump up to about you know hopefully middle 20 like round 20 maybe jump to 18 if they're lucky to be in the yeah. league you know to finish in the league so I, i'm definitely kind of the same way defense does win championships because yeah you know while you do have to score more points than the other team you also can't let them score more points than you yeah you got to be able to stop them yeah and especially the people that you got in your division have all offensive weapons so you got to be able to stop somebody. Yeah, for sure. We're going to dive <laughs> into those uh, moving forward. But first, the team has an over-under win total of five. So Vegas is going to believe that they're going to, in fact, double their 2019 season. Not too impressive. But, you know, <laughs> they sprinkled a little extra, an extra game on there. So I do believe that they will – it might just land at five, so this bet might push. But – I think they yeah. I think they go six and ten, honestly. Okay. And I kinda I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna say six and ten too. Because after looking at their schedule, I mean they have the schedule they have is ranked twenty seventh out of thirty two. So it's not that it's not gonna be that tough. just really the division games is gonna be the toughest ones that they will have to battle. And hopefully they could pull a win or two out of the division games. So you're trying to make a bet with me? <laughs> I mean, 
Sure. We'll discuss it offline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you just brought up the schedule. Three games that I'm super pumped for when it comes to the Bengals, and we're going to break down three games mm-hmm. too for the rest of the division. But week five against the Ravens, week 13 against the Dolphins, and week 14 against the Cowboys. And I think I circled all these was just because I'm so pumped to see Joe versus Lamar, Joe versus mm-hmm. Tua, Joe versus mm-hmm. Dak. You know, this these the new wave of quarterbacks really on the the center stage instead of just Lamar versus Mahomes. Like this is that second yeah. wave of who you want to see in prime time yeah. television. I'm so glad we get to see Joe versus Lamar two times a year that's gonna be awesome hell yeah i mean that's crazy because i got <laughs> two out of the three teams that you just mentioned i got the dolphins the ravens and the browns the the three things that i uh kind of wanted to see is yes the one that you said for the dolphins is the match of him and tua because they're always going to be linked now um so we're going to see really watch them progress if they do progress or do they regress or do they continue to be a starter or do they just fade away? So that's the one thing, you know, this would be the the first game. Uh, the Ravens, I would say it's just Joe facing that top defense. Is he going to be able to handle that? Because, if you could beat the Ravens or have them flustered or, you know, be able to work the Ravens, that's going to be something that he'll be able to do down the line. And that's going to show him, show him and other teams and other coaches that, damn, Joe is actually the real McCoy, you know. Um, and then the team that I said for my three game, my other game was the Browns. Is this, you know, uh, a Cleveland game, Cleveland versus Cincinnati. I want to see that because that's always going to happen now. You got two number four, two former number one picks, two Heisman Trophy winners, you know, facing each other. So that's the other game that I would be excited to see. I, I still can't believe, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, how the AFC North has three Heisman winning quarterbacks. It's just insane. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> so give me your fantasy leader for – the 2020 season for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to go with Joe Mixon, but sorry if I stole your thunder. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go. Um, Yeah, Joe Mixon, (laughs) and I I think it's large in part because of his pass-catching role for that Mm. team. So we saw what Joe and Allaire did in LSU. Mm -hmm. So – Joe still has that weapon on the ground, but also through the air. And I think we've seen Joe just improve. Well, two Joes, so Joe and Joe. Yeah, <laughs> Joe, We've seen Joe Mixon improve year by year Yeah, since entering the league. You know, he's been played with a couple injuries here and there, but for the most part, he's he's turning into a well-rounded back, especially now that he's getting that pass catch an option. So give me that all day. <laughs> yeah uh and actually that's funny because i got joe mixon down too like i have but i have somebody else on there but i'm gonna just go with joe mixon um yeah and literally everything you said that's the reason why i put him on there because he's going to be able to 
give you a thousand yards on the ground and possibly five to six hundred yards receiving. Um, and then he's still young. I mean, you, you literally paired two young stars together and hopefully they could be there for the next 10 years or so. Well, I think Mixon will be there for the next four years. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think Cincinnati's going to hold on to a running back for, for 10 years. A total of other 10 years after he's been out. Uh, yeah. Well, years. you know, oh, I know the future, no. you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be like Frank Gore of Cincinnati. <laughs> All right. So we just got done talking about the Bengals. Uh, let's dive into the Cleveland Browns. They're coming into the season with plus 450 to win the AFC North. You know, Jamil, the 2019 Browns, they brought a lot to the city for of Cleveland. Some excitement that hasn't been seen in about 20-plus years probably. Uh, they were beautiful on paper, but abysmal on the field. Um, you know, they had Super Bowl hype, and then they finished 6-10. and 10. Baker had a terrible sophomore slump, took a huge step back. OBJ was the the glamorous signing, but he could barely stay on the field. And it totally derailed his freshman campaign with the Browns. But they do have a new head coach coming in, and that might be the missing piece for that offense uh, and that team overall. So just give us uh, – we want to hear your takes on your early thoughts and opinions on the Browns as the 2020 season looms larger. And uh, what do you think that they're going to finish like in the AFC North? Um, let me start off by saying that um, I take the 0-16 year and the 1-15 season Browns over last year. Last year was probably the most hard-aching, disappointing Browns season I've experienced as a Browns fan. Mm. I was almost in tears when we lost to third-string Brandon Allen in that Broncos team. Like, straight tears. That's how sad I was. <laughs> but <laughs> Wow. I'm telling you, it was a rough year. I mean, couldn't get anything together. I mean, for apparently from what I heard, Todd Munkin would have the game plan. Freddie Kitchens would be like, okay, offense look amazing the first 15 plays. But then right as soon as um, Freddie Kitchens started calling plays, everything's derailed. So I find it, I find it very good that um, we fired Freddie Kitchens. I love this Kevin Stefanski hire. He got a year of being offensive coordinator under his belt. So he knows what it's like to run a um, group of men. And then we brought in Alex Van Pelt. You know Alex Van Pelt since you're a Packers fan. You know A-Rod was really mad that um, he left. Yep. So I'm really liking the offense. Um, Joe Woods we brought in. So I think we got a good coaching staff. We brought in some good pieces. I love the free agency. I love bringing in um, – Jack Coughlin, Hooper, Carl Joseph, Andrew Billings, and you gotta love the draft. So I'm 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 trying not to drink the Kool-Aid because I was really <laughs> high last year and I was that Browns fan. But I really like our odds this this upcoming year. I feel like we can make some noise. Yeah, so the new head coach and I like the pick too and bringing him in. Do you think that it's gonna be a completely different looking offense in terms of a more run heavy oriented offense because of his, you know, history with Dalvin in Minnesota. Now that he's got two weapons, you know, with Hunt and Chubb back there, or do you think that they're going to provide a nice blend between Baker and the core and then the running backs as well? Um, you know, I think it's interesting because everybody says that Kevin Stefanski 
He came from Minnesota. All they did was run. I think they were the heaviest. They're the run heaviest team in the NFL last year. But nobody takes into account that maybe what if Mike Zimmer just wanted him to run the ball 24-7. So I think that there's a good chance that he's a little bit more he's a little bit more pass happy than how you saw the Minnesota team. Because I mean you have Odo Beckham and Jarvis Landry on the um on the outside. So I mean it's hard to just run the ball down people's throat when you can air it out to them. So I think it'll be more of a happy medium, more so than just run heavy. But I mean, you can't go wrong with just handing the rock to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, that's very true. I I was surprised that Hunt didn't he sign on for another two years with the Browns or I think the way we signed him, we signed him to pretty much it was like uh is a one year deal with an option with a team option. And, and so he was a restricted he was a restricted free mm-hmm. agent because we tendered him with the second round with the second round tender. So and nobody matched our offer, so he's back again. Gotcha. Uh, I meant to ask this before we even got started. You know, it's a random thing that you being a Browns, I'm Browns fan. I know the story behind it, but, you know, tell Ryan the story and the reason and then tell the listeners because, I mean, the Titans, you've been in Tennessee for, I think, your whole life. I mean, besides, like, you're a Gamecock fan, too. Mm-hmm. You're, every, you're everywhere with your fan base, but <laughs> that's beside the point. So, you know, you, you could have rooted for the Titans, especially now that they're coming up in terms of success. But give a little insight on why you chose to become a Browns fan and, you know, how much they've impacted your life on and off the football field, like in terms of a fan. Um, it's actually kind of a, a crazy story. The reason that I'm a Browns fan it's partially due to Madden. I can't remember what year it was, but you know how, like, when you play Madden and you pick the worst team, and then you take that team <laughs> and you give them the Super Bowl? So I can't yeah. remember what year it was. I had Braylon Edwards, and I, and I can't remember the quarterback, but I'd have Braylon Edwards on the outside, and i just do ungodly numbers with them. And I pretty much had the team roster down-packed, memorized. And then I can't remember. I think I was sitting in high school. And I saw that they traded Trent Richardson because Trent Richardson, I had him his rookie year, and that helped me come around on the Browns bandwagon. Uh, but I had Trent Richardson, but then they traded Trent Richardson, and I was looking at the team, and I was just like, all right, they got two first-round picks. They can get Johnny Manziel and Carlos Hyde. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon early because if I jump on the bandwagon now, then they're good. Then I can be like, ha-ha, I told you told you guys loaded that I know it was just all downhill after that but <laughs> but yeah that's how I became a fan has impacted me um throughout my life it's been stressful <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun it's yeah. been fun I, I keep up with the team religiously but it's been stressful I mean 0 and 16 1 and 15 better than 6 and 10 but um Man, I was really hyped on the Johnny Menzel bandwagon. That was my guy. I was doing the money sign everywhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, you knew, you know that I was the same way. I, I freaking followed the Browns on Twitter, and I text you almost every week. I'm like, you think this is the week? <laughs> and then little behold, we were let down in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's – I get my hopes up every season, and then it comes crashing down. I think every next head coach uh, is the man. <laughs> Comes crashing down. So I mean, 
That's the most brown statement I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, at least you're being honest. I mean, you know, somebody could just easily sugarcoat it and be like, you know, we're we're doing great. We're going to Super Bowl, blah blah blah. You know, but then hey, at least you're being honest about it. Hey, I, mean, I try to I try to be like as as rational as a Browns fan as can be. I yeah. mean, I'll drink the Kool Aid every now and again, but. I mean, Ryan's a Redskins fan, so he understands a little bit of it too. Man, y'all finally got rid of um, who who was the um the executive that y'all got rid of? Uh, you talking about um? Oh my gosh, I know you're talking about. Uh, I see his face right now, Bruce Allen. Yes, y'all finally got rid of him. Y'all finally yeah. going in the right direction. I don't know how yeah. somebody could be that bad at their job for so long and didn't get fired. That's they needed Jimmy Haslam as the owner. He would have been gone a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I Honestly, mean, that's corporate America. <laughs> yeah, true. You could literally sit in that sit in any position for 10, 20 years, and then eventually somebody would be like, you know what? He's not doing his job. Actually, he's not even here. You know. So, <laughs> all right, let's uh, jump back on topic here. So we talked about the offense. Uh, I want to get your take on the defense. So the defense, you know, they provided a little up and down. They were just as up and down as the offense was last year. They almost were always in the games, but seemed to just let it slip away near the end and would diminish everything that the offense would work for if they were clicking that day. Um, so I, I want to say that the defense was a huge part in the team going 6-10 and 10 just as much as it was on the offensive side. Uh, what do you think about their improvements over the offseason and through the draft on the defensive side of the ball? And do you think that is going to play a bigger part in 2020 in them improving on their record? Um, yeah, I agree. Last season, last season we had um, we had Denzel Ward and Grady both missing time, and so we was on T.J. Carey and um, Terrence Mitchell, T. Mitch. So I mean, when you're losing your two starting cornerbacks, that's going to be tough. But um, and then we also um, didn't have Kirko, so we was relying on Mac Wilson quite a bit. But Mac Wilson has another year. Sione Taki Taki has another year. We get our boy Miles Garrett back. I think that's what really hurt us down the stretch. Also, Pittsburgh started it. Um, <laughs> we get up, we get our boy Miles Garrett down the. We was missing him down the stretch. So I think having all them back, and I really really love the addition of um, Joe Woods because we know that the league is transitioning more into faster pace, more into a passing heavy attack. And Joe Woods um, in an interview not too long ago said that. If it was up to him, he wished he could run his whole entire team out of a nickel package, and that'd be his base defense. So we brought in Carl Joseph. We brought in um, Sendejo. Um, we got my boy Grant Delpit. Uh, it's awesome to see Grant Delpit and um, Greedy back together. And so, I mean, and we got an Andrew Billings. What we really lack is depth on the defensive line. And so we brought in um, Billings. We brought in – Adrian Claiborne, I think, wasn't Adrian Claiborne only like two years away from like leading the league? Or like he was up there leading the league in um, sacks. He had that crazy yeah, three, yeah. four sack game for the Falcons. So, I mean, just the rotational depth that we have at defensive line should help out tremendously. So, I'm, 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 feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about the defense. But then again, I am a Browns fan, so I feel good about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I can understand the injuries, you know, being a big part of that. It's it's the same thing with you know what happened with the Packers a couple few years back, and then you know every player just went down. Then it, it seems to always happen with the Chargers as well. Mm-hmm. Them being a team just you know 
promise, but then they just end up getting hurt through the season. Um, injuries, name of the game, you got to be able to overcome them. So let's hope that right. some of that depth will help out. People forget that Miles Garrett was um, neck and neck with Shaquille Barrett um, throughout the season for sack leader. And everybody just discount Miles Garrett. I don't know why. He's going to be hungry. Do you ever see, mm-hmm. like, his workout videos on Twitter and stuff like that? Yeah, it's insane. Yes. Man, I wish I was that big. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your favorite pass in present Brown? My favorite pass Brown? It had to be um, Josh Gordon in 2013-2014 when he just lit the league on fire. It, he'd um he'd have what did he have like three back to back two hundred yards of games. Mm-hmm. I love me I love me some Josh Gordon. I love me some Joe Hayden. I loved um T J Ward back in the day because he was he was head hunting twenty four seven. And my present favorite Browns. I love me some Baker. I got got to stick with six. I love Nick Chubb. Um, Odell Beckham of course. Odell Beckham's the easy one. I was a big Odell Beckham fan before he was um with the giant when he was with the Giants. But I won't forget it was spring break. I was sitting at the hot tub, and I was telling anybody who will listen, I was like, I had a dream that the Browns traded for Odell Beckham, and everybody in the hot tub thought I was just being a drunk idiot. And I was like, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And then when the news broke, I was asleep. My roommate came in. I was like, did you see the news? And I was just like, what news? He was like, Odell Beckham finally got traded to the Browns. So I remember I that that night wow. so vividly because, like, the group message or the group chat for the league was just going up in flames. Like, we're like, holy shit, Jamil's probably freaking out right now. And then, like, you chime in four hours later and you're just as happy as a clam. Of course. I love Odell. I do the whip dance and everything. <laughs> in, the, in the twerk room. Of course. <laughs> what's your record? What's your prediction on your record for this year? Um, so our the Vegas has us at eight and a half. You know, I'll take I'll take the over. I think we can be an easy nine, ten win team. I mean, the schedule is a little meh for us, but I mean I think we should be a nine ten team win team. I mean if you just look at what we did last year with the mm-hmm. uh underperforming head coach who didn't know anything about organization, we were in the majority <laughs> of our games. So I think with a little bit of organization, a little bit of added talent, we should be able to rebound and be a 9-10 win team. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I have them at, too. I think I've taken the over. I think I'm going to be taking the over in every single AFC North team and their win total. But I have the Browns mm-hmm. at 9-7. and seven. You know, they're going to be fighting for that seventh seed in the AFC now that the new playoff format's going to be intact this year. So I can jump on board with the over as well on that. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I got the same thing. I got nine and seven. I mean, because they don't, you know, their schedule is like 29th out of, you know, 32. So, I mean, easily they could probably pull some wins. Because like you were saying earlier, you know, a lot of y'all games were close. It really came down to the fourth quarter on some of them. You know, one drive. You know, mm-hmm. so hopefully Baker – you know, could pull it, you know, put it together, and y'all could get that W. So, speaking of the schedule, uh, Jamil, we all have three games that we're really looking forward to for each of the AFC North teams. So, 
for, for my three games, I'm going to go with week one against the Ravens at Baltimore. You know, Cleveland won in 2019 in Baltimore by way of 40 to 25. Uh, week three against the Redskins, two young quarterbacks with two young and ferocious edge rushers with Miles and Chase Young. It's just going to be pure chaos on the field that day. And then week 13 against the Titans in Nashville. Um, I love the matchup, Chubb versus Henry, those two backfields going after it. And, you know, you got two young, promising defenses, too. The only thing I want with this is a little snow in that game. So hopefully there can be some snow, and I'll make my way back to Nashville for for that game. So, But what do you think? Uh, what are your three games that you're circling so far on the schedule? Man, speaking of Nick Chubb versus Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb had the rushing title in the bag. But Freddie Kitchens, last game of the season against the Bengals, he's like, you know what, let's air the ball out instead of give Nick Chubb the um, rushing title. I was so mad. So, so mad. Because that's like, like, that's like the only thing we could have had to redeem the season. We could be like, yeah, we went 6-10. It was disappointing, but at least we got the rushing leader. Nope, Freddie Kitchens <laughs> didn't even give us that. <laughs> but, all right, so my three games, I got Baker versus Joe Burrow, Thursday Night Football. You got the battle of the number ones. You already got the um, – you have a little bit of the rivalry between the Browns and Cincinnati. Um, I have Browns versus Ravens Monday night football. I think that's um, a little bit near the back end of the schedule. So, my problem with the week, the week one game is that Browns is a new team. We've got a new head coach. We've got a new system. Ravens is pretty much running it back and just added some more um, firepower. So, I could see that that week one that – the Ravens just get the best of us. So I'm going to take Monday night football when we're a little bit more comfortable in the system. And then I'm going to cheat you guys. I'm taking – I'm t- giving four games because I'm doing Odell Beckham back-to-back return to MetLife. He has the um, Giants and Jets. And last time he played in MetLife, he had six catches, 161 yards on a touchdown. He did a little celebration dance saying, I'm home. So I'm just saying he's going to probably blow up, blow up those season, those two games, and I think that's close to fantasy football playoffs. So you know I'm going to be rocking with um, OBJ that time too. Okay. Yeah, I remember that game actually. I think it was, yeah, it was last year, and I bet the Browns, and I was so scared near the end, and but then I eventually won. So it was all it worked out for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what do you think? What are your uh, three games that you're circling down for the Browns this year? Uh, I'm gonna go ahead. I got the Ravens. Uh, I probably I didn't really put weeks, but maybe the week one game might be better than you know what you might think. Like just because they might just go out there and just be like, forget the playbook and just play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to see what they got. I mean, because sometimes it's better to just you know throw plays out there and see what the Ravens gonna match. Because you know, usually. The first couple of weeks, people don't really open the playbook that much. They kind of just use, got that little selective 20, 25 plays, and then they run it. Then later down the stretch, they open the playbook up when they start getting some tough matchups. Um, then I got the Jags. Um, the reason why I want the Jags game because there's going to be two gunslingers. You got Baker versus Minsky, you know, Minshew. So it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Like, I mean, they're just going to literally be running around on the field, just throwing the ball all over the place. And then I got the Cowboys, and it's just literally weapons versus weapons. So fair enough. I'm gonna I'm, skip that Jaguars game. 
I'm scared of week one games. Um, we all saw what happened week one, Browns versus Titans. I was just out. I was reasonable the whole entire offseason. I said, man, Titans are a good team. They can get us week one. But then my friend, he was just talking smack. He was just like, oh, yeah, we're going to win easy. We're going to win easy. So I finally drank the Kool-Aid, and I was just like, yeah, there's no way that you guys are going to come to first energy and, um, and um, upset us week one because we're going to be riding too high. And I, and we looked good. We came out firing on all cylinders, and then Derrick Henry happened, and then it was all she wrote. I was almost in tears for that game too. I forgot what happened that game. What What was the score? Blow out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't forget that game. <laughs> yeah, nobody in Nashville lets me forget it either. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, <it's> so. <laughs> uh, so for our final question of, of the day, you know, we're all three big fantasy guys. Um, honestly, us three are probably the biggest that I know. So we want to know your take on the fantasy leader of the team. All right, I got you. Everybody is going to say Nick Chubb. He has the higher ADP, but I'm going to go with my boy Odell Beckham. I mean, he had 1,000 yards last year on a bad team, and he wasn't even healthy. He came back. Mm-hmm. He came at the end of the season and said, yeah, I wasn't fully healthy. And so, I mean, and he's only like – you remember like three years ago or like two seasons ago, so it was like, all right, Odell Beckham is easily the um, number one receiver, dynasty receiver, and everybody just forgets that. So, I'm thinking – Odell Beckham, healthy. Baker Mayfield's still the best quarterback he's ever played with. Odell Beckham's going to be willing to rip it downfield to him. And also, like, it's it's like the simplest things from coaching. Kevin Stefanski Zoom called him because of coronavirus. He Zoom called Odell Beckham. I was just like, hey, buddy, would you run in New York? And let's try to implement that in the office. You know, like, how simple it, like that is to try to get your best player involved by just, like, sitting down like, hey, what plays you like? So I'm calling yeah. it. Slant passes to Odell Beckham all season. He's going to eat fantasy-wise. He's going to beat his ADP. He's going to be the man that you want for the Browns. Yeah, I like that. And that and Ryan and I talked about that uh, probably three weeks ago. We were breaking yeah. down, you know, if we truly believe Odell could get back to being a top five fantasy wide receiver or just in general. And that's what I'm saying. Give him his routes that he ran in New York and just let him burn the opposing defense as long as he's healthy. And, you know, as long as that groin is healthy this year, I, I easily see that happening. Um, I, I am going to go with Nick Chubb, and it's just because of the, the head coach change. You know, we've seen what he did last year with Freddie Kitchens, and, you know, he just destroyed numerous defenses, and he took over the NFL by storm. It was truly one of it. It was his breakout year, and I just see Nick Chubb continuing on that path the only the only way I see it not happening is if they do go more so on the hybrid look with you know implementing Hunt into it a little bit more but I just think Nick Chubb behind that line and you know in a in an improved offense he's gonna get more looks and some more uh, red zone uh, red zone goal line uh, carries as well the one that see, I got four people written down. <laughs> yeah, here we go. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want the because whole team? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But while I'm sitting here, you know, after I listen to both of y'all, I'm gonna go with Baker. The reason why I say that is just because remember last year Baker came in a little bit heavier than what he's always been at, and he said that he actually had cut some weight, probably dropped like 10, 15 pounds, 
roughly just to see he could get a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, uh, get his agility back. Because if Baker can return to how Baker was in Oklahoma, like he literally was a a quarterback for your flag football team. He's literally out there just making plays. <laughs> he's extending plays, running. He's doing everything. So I'm, I'm. So that's why I'm gonna just go ahead. I'm gonna go with Baker because I hope he could do that. He could add that extra element to your to the offense. I mean, you already got a, a crap ton of people. So if he's able to extend the plays and create more plays, then I mean, shoot, he might turn that nine and seven to. Shoot, twelve and four. What did what, what did Drake said? He said, "Oh wait, no, it was backwards." Drake said he turned the nine up down as a six down. It's a, he turned the nine upside down as a six now. No, he's turned the six upside down as a nine now. Oh, yeah, that's what that's yeah. what six doing. <laughs> and, and, and you know it is six nine today. Oh look at that! Yeah, see. <laughs> All right, Jamil, that's going to close it out. Unless you have something else to say, you want actually give us something to say with regards to the Browns and the 2020 season. Give us these takes. My Browns take for this year. <laughs> you know, you caught me off guard with this one. Um, let's see. You know, I, you know, I don't think people are giving enough love to David Njoku. David Njoku is still really young. Everybody's trying to get rid of him. I can see David Njoku, David Njoku stepping into a star role. We know tight ends take a little bit longer to develop. So, and he's Nigerian, so I gotta give um gotta give love to my Nigerian boy. So I think that David Njoku is gonna fully, finally step out and be the freak role. I think everybody's giving Austin Hooper a little bit too much credit too soon. And I gotta finish off by saying Pittsburgh started it, and the, the Browns are <laughs> the Browns are about to be the king of the north and reclaim the throne okay what the ravens have to say okay all right i think jamil's gonna be uh (laughs) throwing a little hundred dollar bone on the browns at plus 450 hey i'm all about it let's get this cheddar (laughs) all right buddy well that was fun thank you so much for joining us uh thank you first guest of the podcast so you know you could appreciate it i'm always i'm always down to talk football drink a little beer and talk football with you guys for sure So yeah. put that put that on your wall. I'll, we'll we'll make a plaque for you. Maybe just a little paper plaque, but you can put that on the wall. That we'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll hang it up yes. in my new house. Sounds good. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers coming into the season with plus three hundred seventy five odds to win the AFC North. You know, after seeing Big Ben go down week one, the Steelers' offense was kind of a mere shell of itself. Juju easily had his worst year since entering the league, and that's large in part due to the inept quarterback play behind Duck and Mason Rudolph. The offense has shown that until a true second-string quarterback comes into the organization, if Big Ben goes down, so does the team. So where are we putting the Steelers this year now that assumingly we have a healthy Big Ben for the rest of the 2020 season? Is this team a playoff team again, or... Are we kind of seeing the the end of the Steelers run once and for all? Um, I mean, what they were 
I want to say they are. Uh, sorry, I'm all over the place. So they I were eight say, and eight last year. Yeah, right? that's what I was about to say because they were really close to getting to the playoffs, and they were saying if. Dang, what was it? I can't remember what they were saying. Uh, but if they're eight and eight, and they were that close, and and that was missing Big Ben, so I really hope that now that will propel them to the playoffs. Or, I mean, if he gets hurt again, he's there long enough to so they can secure uh, a playoff spot. And then whoever else they got, you know, um, Mason Rudolph has enough experience now that he can. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> do not say what you're about to say. <laughs> what? No, I'm saying can, like, just put him in the playoffs, not win a playoff. But <laughs> bro, get like he ain't making. He is not gonna get the team to the playoffs. No, no, yeah, yeah, I know that. But I mean, if you know, he's able to. If Big Ben don't stay healthy, who else? Stay, I mean, you gonna have to do something. I don't know. Yes, this is Colin Kaepernick. I'd like to speak <laughs> with Mike Tomlin, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they need to do something. Um, but. Yeah, I think they're going to go back. They're going to get to the playoffs. Um, and I hope so. I mean, uh, I really hope, you know, they could actually get their organization back, you know. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I'm just giving you a hard time about Mason Rudolph. He, he might be able to win <laughs> one game, but <laughs> no. Um, to be honest with with everything, if it wasn't for that defense – the Bengals might not have been awarded the first overall pick in the draft because yeah. that's how atrocious that season could have gone if it wasn't <laughs> a stellar defense in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So the defense willed that team to somehow be in a 500 team at 8-8. Eight and eight. And, you know, they were on the verge of a playoff berth through week 14. They were 8-5, and five actually, and were in the driver's seat for the sixth seed in the AFC. That was until they lost their final three games. And I think that was just the defense not being able to – well, honestly, it wasn't even the defense because they actually held the, the last three games with an average of 14 points, I believe. Yeah. So it was just that quarterback play coming back into the fold and you know the lack of weapons around them to help mm-hmm. them out some. I think – if they had some of the weapons, they might have been able to sneak one of those and, you know, would have snuck into the playoffs. But that defense is so good. And if Ben can stay healthy and the defense can also stay healthy and play up to the same standard that they did, they did last year, this team's going to be dangerous uh, for the AFC North and it's going to give the Ravens their their closest competition, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so what do you think they will be record wise? So their over under. Yeah, so Vegas has their over under at nine and a half games, which I personally think that's on the money. Um, you know, like I said, if Big Ben can stay healthy, the team is easily a ten plus win team. They've added even more talent on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they got a secondary running back. They still have Benny Snell that could take some of that mm-hmm. bruising workforce off. But they added Anthony McFarland to give a little bit of a utility player role and pass catching back. They added uh, Chase Claypool to help bring a little pressure off Juju. 
I think mm-hmm. if they move Juju back into the slot, then Juju's going to truly excel again. And I think he's going to have – he's going to be a contender for comeback player of the year, honestly. He's he's one of those sleepers that's not getting not enough talk about comeback player of the year. It's, it's Gronk or uh, – who's the other guy that I saw was a comeback player? I think maybe Philip Rivers. You don't have to be old to be a comeback player. <laughs> I know, yeah. You just have to suck one year and come back better. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I think I'll take the over on that easily. I think they're – I'll give them 11 – no, I'll give them 10 and 6. I'll give them 10 and 6. <laughs> okay. That's funny. It's just right like, on the money. Yeah, so that's that's literally where I had them too. Like, uh, I had them at eleven and five or ten and six, because I mean they're gonna lose to the Ravens. Um, I mean they might get they might steal one against them, and then they probably will either beat the Browns twice or beat the Bengals twice, or they might lose to the Browns once or you know whatever. But everybody else, um, and then their schedule is the thirty first. So, I mean, they shouldn't have a problem going 11 and 5 or, t- or even better. Um, so, I guess we will we will see. Who do yeah. you what? Go ahead. Now go ahead. No, I was about to just dive into the, the... Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead. So, yeah. So, who do you think what's the three games that you would like to see? Um, I'd probably say week 1 against the Giants. I'm I'm more intrigued to see how Daniel Jones is going to do against that defense. Honestly, it's not really what the Steelers are going to do to the Giants because they should win that game easily. But mm-hmm. it's going to be fun to see Daniel Jones year two, see if he you know can attack that defense or if they just pick him apart. Um, week fourteen against the Bills, primetime game in Buffalo, beginning of oh. winter, two ferocious defenses. It should be a pivotal game for a playoff spot in the AFC. And you know that's just that's just hard nosed football right there. Yeah, I'm for that one. And then week 16 against the Colts. This one's a little bit of a nostalgic, you know, farewell tour kind of feel to it. This could be the very last time we see Big Ben and Philip Rivers on a field together. They're two pretty similar teams um, mm-hmm. in terms of talent. So you know you got a you got pretty good defenses, and then you got pretty good offense but i'd give the slight advantage over to the steelers and i see them winning that game um in a pivotal pivotal afc conference game okay well all right i mean i'm shocked about the colts and then the bills but you since you were saying it was prime time yeah i mean that would be a really good game i haven't you know, the Steelers usually get primetime games, but the Bills, they usually don't get primetime games. <laughs> so, uh, no, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, baby. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the three games that I got is definitely it's the Ravens because any game that they play the Ravens is just literally helmet to helmet. It's just helmets. Like, the whole game is going to be tough. You know, I had to grind it out. I got the Cowboys. The reason why I put that on there is just because of the legacy of both teams. Like, you know, the Cowboys is championships, Steelers is championships, and they kind of almost 
mirror each other in a sense um because big ben was like in the sense of like where dak was when he came into the league and then the other game that i have on there was the broncos and the reason why i put the broncos is because it's it's kind of it's kind of like the old steelers versus the new steelers the reason why i say is the old steelers versus new steelers is like remember when the steelers had oh shoot mike wallace uh Emmanuel Sanders and A B and San Antonio Holmes. And San Antonio Holmes. Yeah, my yeah. They had all of them on the same team. And they were just going ham, <laughs> you know? So that's almost the same sense. That's why I put the Broncos on there because the Broncos got a whole bunch of players and a whole bunch of people that could literally give them the ball and they're they're gone. So that's a that's one of the games that I kind of I was excited to see. Big test for Drew Locke in that one against that defense yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, I would get, right. I I get on board with that one. Like so that yeah, one. I mean that's the that's the one I was just like you know I really hope it's yeah like I said old old versus new. Yeah, I like that. So we discussed you know the comeback player and you know we're breaking down every team and their fantasy team leader or player of the player for that team. So I'm going to go with Juju Smith-Schuster as the fantasy team leader. I think he's due for a bounce back year after last year's abysmal season. You know, I think he's been beating him, not beating himself up because I don't think he's that kind of player, but he's hungry inside to show yeah. that he is – one of the game's best. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. hearing some of these rumors, too, that they might even try and off him in the, yeah. the offseason. So he's like, what do, you, what do you guys mean you're going to try and get rid of me after you've seen what I've done? You know what I bring to this team. So he has to kind of go out there and remind the Steelers organization as a, as a whole, like, this is what you're getting with me. Now pay up. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I hope they don't – let him walk. I mean, you get a you get a kid at twenty, and you could develop him into potentially one of the best youngest receivers. You know, yeah. Don't don't burn that bridge, please don't. <laughs> uh, the player that I, I I actually wrote Juju down, but I'm gonna go with James Conner. Last year, you kind of saw what he could do without Le'Veon. And he kind of, in some games, he was literally running through people. Like oh, I mean, for the past two years, we've seen two years. Him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's literally running through people, but he did get hurt last year. Hopefully, he could bounce back from that and really show that he can be that lead back. You know, that back that they, you know, drafted, even though they still had Le'Veon. Um, and yeah, you're right. I saw the reports that you know. As far as Juju, but then also Connor, both those two are like linked for possibly being replaced in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I understand more on the Connor side because he has been battling some injuries the past mm-hmm. two years. But I think he's still, you know, got a little bit in that tank. It 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 just you don't really know what you have with him long term. Yeah, you know, because he he isn't that dynamic of a running back as you would see. I wouldn't consider. He's a top 15 running back, I would say. But 
you know, you don't know how many more years you have of that talent. Yeah. But this year he's going to show us hopefully. And, you know, he, he might think, Oh, they want to draft another running back to sit behind me. Even though I don't think Anthony McFarland challenges him at all for the no. starting back role. He's too small, but you know, maybe that fire fires him up a little bit. And we've seen that James Connor has no issue with being fired up on the football field and through life in general. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I guess we will find out. Yeah. So diving into our final team here, the best team of all, as at least in the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens coming in into the season to win the AFC North at a minus 200 favorite, which I think that's tremendous value, honestly. I, I might take that up right now. <laughs> um, you know, you could easily see why. Lamar Jackson is still there. What more do you need to know? The reigning MVP is coming off of his best year so far in his young career and truly shut down all the chatter last year that he was just a running back. You know, mm-hmm. in only 15 games, he threw 36 touchdowns and only six interceptions. While that's pretty impressive, what's even more impressive is he ran for 1,206 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. He did fumble nine times, but he only lost two of those fumbles through the whole season. And I will, I'd like to think that's a big reason that the, the team went so far and the record showed by how far they went at like being 14-2 and two was because they kept the ball out of the other team's hands. Yeah. At least Lamar did. You know, he only turned the ball over eight times if you look at both of those, the fumbles and the interceptions. Mm-hmm. So you got Lamar still there. You still have Mark Ingram who turned back the clock last year. You draft J.K. Dobbins. You have Mark Andrews. You have Hollywood Brown. Miles Boykin, who was showing up late last year, mm-hmm. be a tremendous piece for that team as well. And they continue to improve their wide receiver core in the offseason around draft day. So are you on board with the Ravens running it back and you know capturing the AFC North again? Yeah, because um, I don't see – the Steelers, man, the Steelers is probably the only team I see giving them a run. Uh, the Browns, yeah, on paper. But, <laughs> you know, other than that, yeah, they're they're going to win the AFC North again. Um, yeah, you literally said everything. I mean, Lamar, it, it, comes at, it comes back to you stopping Lamar. If you can't stop Lamar, then – it's other so many other weapons on the team that he could either hand the ball off to or throw the ball to, and then you have to stop them. But then also the defense is going to make turnovers and is able to score too. So you got a complete full uh, a complete football team to really watch out for. Yeah, speaking of that defense, so it kind of seems like that the Ravens are getting back to that defense of yesteryear. You know, the Ray Lewis, the Ed Reed. You know, mm-hmm. physical, ball hawking, you know, they're here to intimidate you. You don't really want to be on the same field with them because they're going to kick your ass. Yeah. So while the offense was probably the biggest part of the team going 14-2, and two, that defense was the fourth overall defense in yardage and third in the NFL in points allowed was 17.6. Mm-hmm. 
So with Lamar in the offense averaging a league high 33.2 points per game, the bat, the, the bath, the math basically spells itself out. The scary part is that the Ravens retained almost, I believe, everyone on that defense. Mm-hmm. And they also improved tremendously in the offseason and in the draft. Yeah. I would honestly ar- argue that they've had the best offseason out of the whole NFL. <laughs> yeah. You know, you take a 14-2 and two team and you're like, okay, we're going to keep everyone and we're going to get better mm-hmm. and now try and stop us again. But it is a little hard to go 14-2 and two, two years in a row. But yeah. They're yeah, they're there's no way I I don't see them losing the AFC North unless Lamar unfortunately goes down, which he may very well. He's a running quarterback. It could happen, but I don't want to wish him on No no one sound clip this and bring it back to us. Yeah. But I don't uh I have thirteen and three. I thought about fourteen and two just because their schedule is the 32nd. So, I mean, they have the easiest schedule without the, you know, within the entire league. And, I mean, the Steelers and their division is going to be their matchup. The Browns might give them one game. The Bengals, whatever. But just by them having an easy schedule and they went 14, they went 14 to 2 last year. And I don't even know what the difficulty of their schedule was, but having a 32nd, you know, having an easy schedule now, I think they could easily be like 13 and three, maybe 14 and two. I don't want to do 15 and one or undefeated because that's not realistic anymore. So, and now a lot of people are going to really hone and change their scheme around Lamar. So, and, and that that's what I'm getting at when I give my record. I think they're going to go 12 and four. Mm. So, oh, okay. You know, Vegas has them at an over under of 11 and 11.5, 11 and a half. So Vegas has of course seen a little slight regression regression from them. And that's to be expected. Like I said, it's hard to lose two games. It's hard to go 28 and four over the span yeah. of two years. You know, it's hard enough to lose four games a year. It, it, yeah, the, the, these those type of records they don't happen often. So, like no, you said too. So I, I'd take the over at twelve and four. I think that's perfectly fine regression for them. You know, I think what's going to happen is more teams they have a full year of Lamar to officially marinate in, understand where how he plays what type of schemes they need to develop around them to take away his legs. Cause that's what ultimately burnt numerous teams. We saw the stats <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 1200 yards for a fucking quarterback is asinine. That should not happen, <laughs> but I, I should have looked up where he ranked as a running back. Cause surely he was top 10. They actually even put him on the rushing records thing was the sixth. Wow. He was sixth in rushing stats at twelve hundred six. He almost <laughs> he he missed the top, um, the top five by twenty four points. And Chris Carson was the uh, the number five running back. Hey Ryan, you remember last year when you said that Chris Carson wouldn't be a top fifteen running back? 
you gave me like the weirdest look at the beginning of last season's uh, yeah. dynasty. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> uh huh. Well, well, guess what? Remember how y'all were laughing at me at draft night? Man, Ryan got this weekend. Yeah, yeah I got the the trophy over here right now. So, mm-hmm. all right, all right, all right, all right. Settle down here. Uh, oh, I got a question for you. So, do you think this is the year Lamar can actually finally? win a playoff game because right now he's sitting at 0-2 and And it's only two other people in history that has an 0-2 start and they're brothers I don't I don't know I mean I would say yes but it really depends on who they go up against Mm -hmm. but I mean you could have said that this past year against the Titans everyone marked I think they were a, a 10 and a half point favorite if I'm not mistaken, because I think I bet on the game. I probably bet on the game. <laughs> yeah, you probably yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um I would say yeah. I'll give him a I'll give him a playoff victory. I think he finally earns it, but I think it, I think the boat stops there. Don't think they're making a Super Bowl. Oh wow. Okay. All right. Do you? Do you think yeah, he's no. gonna get it he's gonna get us in, in the win column? Yeah, yeah, I think he's gonna get it this year. Um and I mean, I'm not even gonna say. I'm not even gonna touch the Super Bowl talk yet. I'm not even gonna. I'm gonna wait for that. But I really think that yeah, he's gonna definitely get his first one this year. Uh, because the other, what I was saying, it's only two other people that have been 0-2 in the playoffs. The start is the Manning brothers, and then they eventually got their win. But what three games do you have? that you would like to watch? Yeah, so the three games that I've circled down, um, you know, I, I know this one's going to be on your list as well. Week <laughs> three against the Chiefs, primetime, Mahomes versus Lamar. There's really nothing more to say, but I will say one other thing. Hammer the over. <laughs> we, no matter what points they put it at, hammer that damn thing. Week 10 <laughs> against the Patriots at Gillette Stadium. There's no Brady this time, so, you know, puts it a little bit more in favor of Baltimore's side, but I'm excited to see those two defenses go after it, you know. That's, a, that's an interesting Yeah, uh, it's more so that the two defenses, too tough. Bill's got a stellar one. I think they were the number one defense last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they were. The one versus three, you know. I think the I think the Ravens will will win it, but it's going to be interesting to see what Sidham can do against, if anything, can do against that Ravens defense, or if it's just going to be a complete shutout by the Ravens. Because yeah. um, I think they will pick apart Bill's defense, but who knows? Maybe he schemed up a up a nice game plan against for for Lamar. Mm-hmm. And week thirteen against the Cowboys, Thursday mm-hmm. night football. No more color rush breaks my heart, but we'll what? live. What do you wait, 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 wait? What? I don't Why? They, I don't know. I don't think they do color rush anymore. I mean, I think I think they do, but unofficially, they don't yeah. mark it anymore. Which is so me stupid. Off. Yeah. But Damn. Dak Dak versus Lamar, weapons galore on both sides with the edge to Baltimore, especially on the defensive side. This will be McCarthy's first look, though. This is the interesting part. This is Mike McCarthy new head coach of the Cowboys. This is going to be his first look at Lamar Jackson 
since mm-hmm. Jackson's entered the league. So if the Cowboys are playing how they're supposed to be with all of the, the talent, and you know Mike's got them in a prime position to be a contender in the NFC, that's going to be a fun game near the end there and could possibly play a little bit of spoiler to the Ravens if they're in a couple battles for some in it, or for some AFC spots as that's a week 13 game that's getting close to crunch time. So if the Ravens are in a little bit of a, you know, neck and neck battle that could, um, that could give a little advantage to somebody else. So the Cowboys can potentially play a little spoiler and a barn burner for sure. What about you? Okay. Yeah. Those are, those are really interesting picks. Like I was, uh, especially the Patriots and the Cowboys. I wasn't expecting either one of those. <laughs> uh, I'm here so for the, the three teams. <laughs> the three teams that I have, yeah, obviously the Chiefs. Yeah, I have that. I mean, you can't you can't pass that up. Last, you know, the game what they when they played. What was it last year? When they played, yeah, when they played last year, it was amazing. That was a crazy game. Um. I'm looking def- – this is the game I've been waiting for is when they when they play the Titans. That's the game, like, I'm definitely circling. I'm I'm texting everybody. That's in Nashville, right? I think uh, that's in I Nashville. I don't know. I, I was almost circling that, too, and I was like, ah, do I want to? But I think, I think the Ravens are just going to destroy them, honestly. But I want, I'm with <laughs> you on that one. Yeah, that's the game I wanted to see. You know, I definitely want to see. Um, but the game that I really want to see is against Washington. So they used to have preseason games, and those games were crazy because they would go back either from Landover or to Baltimore. If people don't know, those are pretty much 30 minutes from each other. And people would talk trash. People would tailgate. The stories would be wild, um, you know, and it would just be really good football. And now since it's in the regular season, I'm really – I really want to see this game and see how it turns out because, you, again, now you have two young African-American quarterbacks in two respectable cities in Maryland, in the District of, in District of Columbia, in a sense, uh, you know, to take over. And everybody has been backing them since they've been drafted. So that's a really good game that I really, 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 really want to see. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I looked at that and I was like, well, Ryan, I think Ryan will circle that one. So I was correct <laughs> in my mind. And that's a good point, yeah. though, too, about, you know, Two young African American quarterbacks looking to well now it's Haskins' term to make a name yeah. for himself and to yeah. show the Redskins like hey you drafted me at seven I think super early and they were wanting to get rid of him last year and yeah like, hey come on guys like give me a shot here and you know they built around some some weapons for him too so I'm excited to see Haskins and yeah that'll be a fun matchup for sure mm-hmm. um don't really want to spend too much time on this one but the fantasy player of, of the team. <laughs> I wonder who it's going to be. I mean, <laughs> Mr. Lamar Jackson, will you please come up to the podium? I know, yeah. I mean, it's nobody else. Are we in agreement? And Yes. Okay, we can move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we broke down every, you know, AFC North team. So let's do a little 
bit of a fun game. We'll put a little poll out there for the followers too. We're going to build an all AFC North fantasy team. So you give your team, I'll give my team, and then we'll put it okay. up on Twitter to see right. who the fans think has the best team. It's going to be me, but, you know, we got to give you a fair shot. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) So the format is a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a flex. So you would have have figured it out, but just to clarify. Uh, So my quarterback, of course, would be Lamar. Uh, My running back would be... James Conner and Nick Chubb, the two wide receivers that I've chosen will be Juju and OBJ. Well, you get and three then, wide receivers. Oh, and then okay. Well, then I'll add uh, Boyd to that, and then my tight end will be uh, Mark Andrews, and then my flex would be Joe Mixon. So I thought we were gonna have the same team honestly (laughs) really yeah i did but we we went different paths i think about two of them so my team quarterback lamar jackson Mm -hmm. running back nick chubb running back joe mixon uh for my wide receivers three wide receivers i would say obj juju and give me old man AJ Green. <laughs> My tight end, Mark Andrews, of course, best tight end in the AFC North. But Eric Ebron was a little, he was wheeling in there, you know, new yeah. acquisition for the Steelers. But my flex is where it gets interesting. As I was battling back and forth with, you know, do I want to give it to James Conner? And you might think that I'm going to give it to someone else, but I will give it to. Deontay Johnson. So many, okay. and you might think it might be James Washington, and Amron might too if he's listening to this. <laughs> but Deontay Johnson overtook uh, James Washington as the number two wide receiver in Pittsburgh well into the final stretch of that season. Yeah. I think he improves upon it this year, and I think James Washington just sees his stock falling down on that. So he he would be now the fourth wide receiver on the depth chart if Johnson yes. can beat him out. So I think Johnson continues to build upon the stretch of you know how he ended last year's season, and it it does wonders for him in the twenty twenty season. It's gonna be he's gonna be a fun young wide receiver for the the Steelers, and who knows they they might be building the same thing they were building with AB San Antonio. Um, uh, Mike Wallace, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, so that they might have 2.0 with that, but they have to get into the quarterback if they plan on yeah. keeping that long term. So, with that, that wraps it up. Um, one one last thing regarding the team. So we we wanted to keep two players at a minimum of, of per team. So you couldn't just stack one one all, you know, <laughs> Ravens team as yeah one would do. So, but with that, that closes out our show. It was fun breaking down these teams, and you know it's gonna be a fun eight week stretch of doing this week week in and week out. So, next week we're gonna break down the AFC East. We're gonna make our way around the whole board. So we look forward to breaking down the East, as a lot of 
you know, pieces were moving around this offseason. Brady's gone. It might be the Bills division now. Who knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss that a little bit next week, too. So we just want to thank you guys so much for listening, and we look forward to talking to you guys next week. When your anchor's on the line, stand ground and bust. Ain't got we trust, but just in case, keep it loaded and locked, ready to rock and shake the spot, the foundation. <laughs>